is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. All right. I'm going to start with this statement. You've probably heard it before. No animals were harmed in the making of this commercial. Now you're like, what on earth? Okay, my, what I'm going to translate that into today, which is going to be a little more meaningful to you, inappropriate in this setting. No people are targeted in the writing and communication of this message. Just a little disclaimer, want to put that out there. So I'm just letting you know in advance that's not my style. I don't do that. So if I go through the message today and you're like, she's talking about me. Like I literally did that this week. You know, how, how did she? I didn't know. Okay, I didn't know. And when I wrote it, I didn't know. And as I'm saying it, I didn't know. Or if I did know, maybe I didn't think about it or I didn't care. Whatever. I mean, whatever. Okay. I'm just letting you know that if you feel like the spotlight is like on you today, that is not intentional by me, but it may be intentional by the Lord. Okay. Are we good? Okay. <sighs> That's great. A focus on Jesus and a culture of honor. That's the two values that we are going to hit today. And we are going through this series of uh, our mission, which we started with, and now we're working through the values. So today, a focus on Jesus and a culture of honor. A focus on Jesus. Our eyes are always fixed firmly on Jesus. Our passion is his presence. And that will take priority over everything. See, sometimes we don't want the thing that's good for us. Am I right? You know, babies, babies are the worst for this. Like these babies who are hungry and won't eat, who are tired and won't sleep. Yeah, like, wh what is that anyway? I mean, you're, I know they're babies, but I mean, if you remember what it's like to have that little one, and you're like, you're hungry, just eat, or you're so tired, they're literally, but then they're crying. Sometimes we don't know or want the thing that's good for us. As humans, I feel like we want to be better, but we don't want to do the hard thing that will make us better. So there's trouble in our marriage, but we don't want counseling, or we don't want to pay for counseling. We, we, we want to create better eating habits, but meal prep, that's just too much. We desire to have a strong and healthy body, but seriously, getting up early to work out three to five times a week, like, who wants that commitment? Fifteen years ago, I think, was it 15 years ago when you dropped that thing on our counter and ish, 12 to 15 years ago? Um, you may have heard this story before, but a lot of you wouldn't have. Um, Craig, I, I come in the house one day and I look on our counter and there's the uh, Beachbody Insanity workout program. It's just sitting on our counter and I'm like, uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we had, yes, we had wanted to make some changes and we had kind of like casually talked about it, but he didn't tell me he was buying this program and it's just sitting there. I'm like, oh dear Lord, my life is about to change. So, um, okay. So we, we started and we, we were like, okay, we're going to do this. And we had watched some of like the promo videos and it looked like death. And, but we're like, okay, well, it's here now. He's invested. He paid for it. So, like, I guess I have to do it. So we turn it on. I'm telling you what, the first round, like the first session of the workout, okay, this is called the fit test. It's not called workout number one. It's called the fit test. It is to see how fit you are. So is it really a workout? I don't know. This is me. What am I, like 10 minutes in? Maybe not even. I, <laughs> I'm on the floor with my legs in the air because I almost passed out. The fit test. <laughs> it, Craig keeps going. He's like, are you okay? He just keeps going. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. It's fine. I'm on the floor. I'm fine. He keeps going. This, this was our life. 12 to 15 years ago, 
this happen. It was hard. I'm telling you what, it killed us. <laughs> but we did it. We went through round one. And after round one, finishing the program, we assessed our results. And we were moderately happy. Right? We were moderately happy. We were like, well, we see some improvement, but it's not exactly what we'd hoped for from watching the promo videos. You know? Did we quit? No. Round two. This time, we added cleaning up our eating habits. At the end of round two, astronomical results. Okay? Sometimes we know what's good for us, but we don't want to do it. But when we end up doing it and not giving up, there's a result that comes that would never be possible without the effort put forth to begin with. See, to aspire to be something I am not, but never taking the steps to that, towards that goal will leave me very frustrated and unfulfilled. It's hard to be healthy. It's hard to be unhealthy. Choose your heart. This works their way into our Christian life, and, and, and we aspire to be that person over there. They're killing it for Jesus. They love him. They're, like, so passionate. But we don't want to, the discipline that will allow us to get to that place where they are. You know, we're, we're lazy. We're indifferent. We're busy. We, you know, some of us even can talk that good talk, but when it comes to the walk, we just really, we really fail. Or in public, we look one way, but our private life doesn't match our convictions that we talk about in front of people. It's actually a lot of work to fake a good Christian life, so I don't know why we just wouldn't just do the real thing, you know. But what if you want to want it, but you don't actually want it? Because some of us are in that place. It's like, I really want to want Jesus, but I just don't have that desire. How do I get the desire? When the circumstances, circumstances around us are blurred, when we've lost our way a little bit and we feel like we're in darkness and it's muddy and things like that, we, we want the desire but we, we, can't, we don't have it and we try to drum it up and we do well for a couple of days and then we're back again, you know, indifferent again. What do we do? How do we regain our focus on Jesus? How do we take those blinders off that's blurring our vision? Number one, look up. To look around will not help. To look around will not help. We must look up. If you're in the middle of a flash flood, the, the fastest and most effective way to be safe is to go to higher ground. One of the ways we can do this is to get into Scripture. Psalms 139. Psalms 139 will encourage you and help you gain perspective as it talks about how the Lord is so with us no matter what. Number two, look behind. In the middle of the pain, we forget the plan. The faithfulness of the past will remind us of the faithfulness of the future. See, he doesn't stop being God the minute you've had a rough week. Reflect, write, reread those journals that you wrote in about the faithfulness and things that God has done in your life. Lamentations. Let's go there. Lamentations chapter 3. Let me read that scripture. Verse 21 to 25. I love this. But this I recall, and therefore I hope and have expectation. It is because of the Lord's mercy and loving kindness that we are not consumed, because his tender compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great and abundant is your stability and faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my living being, my inner self. Therefore, I will hope in him and wait expectantly for him. So look behind of what he's done. And then number three, look ahead. The plan of God is good. The plan of God is good. Listen, if, if it could always be worse than the rut, if you feel stuck right now in your walk and you can't focus on Jesus, it could always be worse 
than the rut you're stuck in today. And if you're like, no, actually, it can't. I'm literally, this is the worst time of my life right now. Then it can only get better. Right? Then it can only get better. God is faithful. He is our focus. Bob Goff, if you've ever heard him or read any of his books, he's the most loving human on the earth. And he, he writes just incredible books. Um, Bob Goff says this. He said, the, pran- the plan to free yourself is simple. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Sometimes we overcomplicate, but Jesus is the answer. When we lack desire, we put ourselves at risk to be average. So ask the Lord today to deposit a hunger in you for his presence and his face. Because it's so cool. He is such a good father that if you lack the desire, he will actually give you the desire to have hunger for him. It's amazing. What if we all did that? I think about that sometimes. What if? We all said, Lord, we just, we just asked for the desire to want you more. We all did it. And then Monday through Saturday, every day of the week, we took time to pursue him. Even when we didn't feel like it, we're like, we're just going to do it anyway. In his presence, we begin to ask for a deep hunger. Every one of us in this room. We begin to ask for encounters, for dreams, for visions. Every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we all did it. And then on Sunday, we come here. What a wild service we would have. (laughs) I wouldn't have to work myself into it. The worship team wouldn't have to, like, drag us along. And I'm not saying they do. I just know that every week, I don't live a perfect week for Jesus. Right? But what if I started to change my habits enough to put him first every day. And then on Sunday, we all come together and put him first. What a transformation. See, there's only so much our, our, our worship team can do for us. And, and uh, I come to the realization, you know, a while ago that I'm responsible for me. And you're responsible for you. This goes for worship. This goes for your Bible studying. This goes for your encounters in his presence. Can you imagine if as our children grew, we still had to feed them? We still had to dress them. We still had to carry them around. Since when has it been my responsibility to feed you? This is where the amen or ouch comes in. You know, when we're stuck in a rut and we're stagnant in our walk with Jesus, there's a good chance we put ourselves there. And there's a good chance we're keeping ourselves there. I didn't put you there. You didn't put me there. I'm not sneaking into your living room and you're just about to pick up your Bible to read it and I snatch it out of your hands and run away. I'm not in your car when you're like, I'm just going to turn on some worship music on my uh, commute to work and I'm just going to commune with the Lord. I'm not like changing the channel to like sports radio or like something else. I'm not there doing that. I, I don't make you turn on the TV and go on a marathon and a series when you really just wish you could spend time in the presence of God. But here the TV goes again. You do you and I do me. And if we're doing it wrong, then it's not on you for me and it's not on me for you. We are responsible for ourselves. I can't fix you in a 30-minute talk on a Sunday morning. You're like, oh, you're only going to be 30 minutes. That's great. (laughs) Well, it's like give or take. I can inspire, I can fan in the flame, and I believe that that's my role. And one of my roles is to, is to provoke you and encourage you and lift you up and, and, and even maybe teach you things sometimes. But I can't make you grow. I can deposit truth. I can speak truth and hope. But you are responsible for you, and I am responsible for me. And I must feed myself, and you must feed yourself. 
We need a personal and a community focus on Jesus because this is the way. So if we're circling around in our own cycles so much that we continually get in our own way, it's time to stop looking to people and start looking to Jesus. You know, sometimes people will be like, well, how did you get to where you are? Like, how did you get here? How did I get here? It was not a person. It was the person of Jesus. It was my hunger for him and my desire for him. It was my understanding that it was personal responsibility for me to get where I'm going. It was my pursuit and my alone time was in his presence. It was my dancing in my living room in worship when no one was looking and I did close the blinds and the curtains just so it wasn't so weird if people passed by. I became this way as I pushed myself in his presence. And I'm not, I'm not boasting. I'm not saying that so you'd be like, oh, wow, you're so amazing. Because God knows, and some of you too, I have a long way to go. <laughs> but I'm just telling you my journey and my story. Because you just see this, but you don't see all the backstory. And people don't just show up in, in their dream or their destiny. It's work to get there. A focus on Jesus. This is the way and it's the only way. So where do I start? Commit in your heart to make it the main thing. That's number one. He is number one. He is everything and everything submits under him. Number two. Make space in your day. These are practical things. Remove one thing. You're like, I have no space. Remove one thing. There's one thing you can give up to let Jesus in. You won't miss it. I promise you when he fills it, you won't miss it. And number three, repeat it. Don't stop. This, is, this isn't a temporary fast. Sometimes we're called into like temporary seasons. This is, a, a, this is not a short-term adjustment to just a refocus or reclaim what's been lost. This is a life change. Consider me right now placing that Insanity Beachbody workout program <laughs> on your counter. You can do more, we can do more, we can do better. Because we're calling each other higher every day. Please call me higher. I don't want, where I am today, I don't want to be here next year this time. I want to be better. In our church, a focus on Jesus will always take priority. Because this is the way. With our eyes on him, we will never see more clearly our purpose and our future. And that is a focus on Jesus. A culture of honor. In a culture of honor, every person is treated with the value that was paid for their life. The blood of Jesus. Honor is valuing, preferring, loving, and giving freedom to people from all backgrounds all lifestyles and situations. There is nothing more costly than your life because the price paid was Jesus. Okay? So if I treat you less than extravagant, I am dishonoring the price paid for you. I just downgraded you, which means I just downgraded Jesus. This is so important to me. Honor isn't given based on earned efforts of things that you or I have accomplished. Honor is given based on who you are and the value of your life. A little child deserves my honor. An elderly person who maybe isn't able to do much anymore deserves my honor. A person I don't get along with deserves my honor. See, I can honor the position of who they are without approving the behavior of what they do. And this takes a level of maturity and patience that not many are willing to work towards. 
honor in our church can be cultivated and grown and should be, and should be. It's, it starts through serving one another. It's really hard to dishonor a person that I am serving. It's nurtured by praying for one another. It's difficult to disregard someone that I am praying God's blessing on. It's established by preferring one another, giving placement and value to everyone all the time. The authority, let's talk about that for a minute. The authority that God has placed in our life is to be honored. The leadership in our church has been ordained by God. This is a little awkward for me up here to say, but it's fine. I'm just going to go with it because I just, I have to preach the word. So, your, and then your leadership underneath the leadership that God has put is also ordained by God. You are leaders and you are ordained by God here. Honoring spiritual leaders is non-negotiable, okay? Honoring each other is non-negotiable. We cannot reach a maturity in the Lord without a culture of honor in our church. It will not happen. Bill Johnson of Bethel Church in Reading says this. He says, leaders who want a culture of honor so they'll be treated better totally miss the point. Honor is the atmosphere in which the people of God become their best. That is the plan. This is the way. Romans 13 says, every person must submit to and support the authorities over them. For there could be no authority in the universe except by God's appointment. Which means every authority that exists has been instituted by God. So to resist authority is to resist the divine order of God. We do not want the consequences that come with that. This applies in society, this applies in government, this applies in our homes, this applies here in our church. Now, there is so much on honor, guys, that I literally it is, was so difficult to narrow it down. And um, there was a few years ago, we actually did a class on honor. And I don't know, maybe that I'll have to revisit again sometime, but there's so much. So I know that some of the questions in your mind right now is like, what about bad leaders and what about this? And I'm not really going to touch it today. I'm sorry because I don't have the time and I want to keep to that 30-ish minutes. So, um, but honor, this is the way. A culture of honor, this is the way. We operate in a kingdom, the kingdom of God, right? It has rank, order, and delegated authority. The problem we come up against in the church is the people. <laughs> am I right or am I right? <laughs> Let me explain. <laughs> we are all humans living on earth trying to understand kingdom principles with a democratic mindset. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. And the kingdom of God isn't just reserved for heaven. It is to be established here on earth through you and I. So when we bring our democratic mindset into the kingdom, and this is how we relate in our church, and this is how we approach our God, we will always have problems, personally and in the community at large. And in many cases, we will be the problem. See, there's going to be times I'm not going to like things. There's going to be times you're not going to like things. You may not agree with something. But honor is required regardless of my feelings or your feelings or our opinions. It's just required by God. You don't have to agree to honor. Honor is to hold in high esteem and to regard with great respect and to revere. As we follow Jesus, honor has to be a way of life. It is a lifestyle of stopping to embrace the people around you. Yet so often in ministry and in our churches, it just seems so absent. 
Why? Because honor has to be cultivated. It doesn't happen by accident. We're not born that way. It's a result of intentionally living out a vision to lift up everyone around us. It is just my heart and my goal to lift you up all the time. To develop a culture of honor, there are certain aspects that have to be present. Trust. You have to trust that I do deeply care for you. And I have to trust that you deeply care for me. I have to trust that you have my best interests and I have your best interests. Integrity. Our morals have to be integral. Our relationships have to be honest. I have to be the same behind and in front of closed doors. See, the quickest way to destroy an environment of honesty is to have a breakdown of integrity. Fake is not the way. Active skills like listening, making, keeping commitments with one each other. Closure when it's called for. Courage to speak up and confront and love when it's needed. It's dishonoring to continue to let things go when it needs to be confronted or adjusted. It's dishonoring. I need to call you higher. You need to call me higher in love. Continual growth. This is individual and as a larger community. If you're not growing, what are, what are you doing anyway? Like, what are we doing? Healthy communication. Openness with each other. Done well. Checking our attitudes at the door and leaving our soapboxes at home. Church is not the place for that. Now there's social media, by the way. <laughs> Gossiping is not the place for that. Take it to Jesus. Take it to Jesus. He'll set you free. That thing won't even have any hold on you anymore. Prayer. Without a doubt, a culture of honor cannot and will not be present without the foundation of prayer. And mutual respect. Can we just all be nice humans? Before I end today, I just want to unpack quickly three aspects of honor. Honor is cultivated. It's intentional as leadership and the community of people sow seeds of honor in how we serve and where we serve. The honor level to which our church will grow is a direct reflection of the level of honor that we will model as your pastors. If we're not showing honor to you, I, I could never expect you to show honor. For example, I love your children and I care for them deeply, okay? So you will never see me yell at your children to do something or to change something. You'll never see it. I, if there's a correction, I might correct them in love or like, hey, guy, something like that. But you're never going to see me dishonor them even though they're just little people. I will never do that because I just care too much and I just honor them for who they are. They're not less than. They're just exactly where they should be as they're growing in maturity in the Lord. In a church that... Um, we pastored before here. It was in uh, Canada. It was in the Toronto area. We experienced an ongoing act of honor that was completely unmatched. Um, I've experienced honor, a, you know, a lot. And many of you have shown a lot of honor and kindness to me. Uh, when I've gone to speak at camps or conferences, there's a lot of honor that you get in, in those scenarios. Um, this was so interesting what happened in in this church by one lady in particular um every day so every morning we'd have pre-service prayer and we had a lower level in this church and we would all meet down in that lower level for prayer and then when it was done we would all come up and sometimes it took me a minute to get up there because I'm like talking to people and different things and stuff like that and then when I got up there this lady uh would be waiting for me okay <laughs> She'd be waiting for me at in the back of the, of the worship center. And um, she would lead me to my seat every Sunday. So every Sunday she'd be just waiting back here. And when she saw me, she'd be like, okay, come. 
and then she would, and if I like like got caught by someone, she would just wait. She'd wait for me. It was like <laughs> so awkward. And then she would just leave me, and then she would go, you know, God bless you, Pastor, or whatever she said. I don't know. And I would sit. I sat in the same place every. It's not like she was getting me a seat. It's not like she was like move over. Like I, I save you. Like I sat in the same spot every Sunday. It was always open. She didn't need to do that. I'm telling you what. It was. It made me so uncomfortable for a long time. I'm like, I don't need someone to. Like it just felt so too much. It was like extra. You know, I it. I didn't need that treatment. Okay, she didn't just do it for me. She did it for Craig, and she did it for our children, Josiah and Faith. Okay, they were little back then, okay? So this is little children that she would, and if they came in by themselves without us, she still, wait, okay, come, I'll lead you to your seat. They sat with us. It was the same seat every time. This happened week after week after week, month after month, year after year. At first, I would, like, kind of, because it was so uncomfortable. Um, for the, And this happened in front of the entire congregation, okay? Because most of them were already in their seats. And then, like, this would happen. So I was so uncomfortable with it, not used to it, that, um, and I felt like it didn't need to happen. I was like, oh, I'm fine. I can find my own seat. That sometimes I would, like, just wait and, like, sneak around and look. Did you know this? Yeah, okay. And, um, and if she wasn't there, I'd be like, oh. Like, run up to my seat. Sometimes she would chase me, though. Like, almost did this to get ahead of me so she could be like, there you go. Man, after a little bit, though, I felt God convict me and say, stop doing that. Stop hiding and chasing and running to beat her. Like, I've put this in her heart. And don't take it away. She's honoring you, and in honoring you, she's honoring me. And she's set an example for everyone in the room. She's actively creating a culture of honor, and she doesn't even realize it because it's just in her heart. So I stopped doing that. If someone was to ask us, describe the culture of your church, would the answer be honoring? This is like a a fair question. This isn't like a trick question or a manipulated question like maybe, but like let's think about that. Would it be? If not, we have some work to do. If yes, well, we can always improve, right? Honor is mandated. So honor is cultivated. Honor is mandated. 1 Peter 2.17 says, treat everyone you meet with dignity and honor. Love your spiritual family. Revere God and respect the government. I can't get up here week after week and preach the Bible but leave out the part about honor. I can't do that. I am required and I desire to preach the whole counsel of the word of God. Honor is celebrated. Wherever honor is, joy is. In your family, in your workplace, in your church, where there is a culture of honor present, joy will always be found there. Okay, the opposite is also true. Where there is a lack of honor, there will be a lack of joy. Why? Because a culture of honor releases people to celebrate each other rather than compete with one another. So honor looks like me pointing out your strengths. Honor looks like me uh, celebrating your win. Honor looks like me seeing your redeemed future. And being excited for the blessing that God's put on your life and giving you. This is the way. Honor is rewarded. First Samuel 2.30 says, I will honor those who honor me and I will despise those who think lightly of me. Honor is an essential key to receiving from heaven. When Jesus was at the house of Simon the leper in the town of Bethany, he was reclining at a table. He was just like chilling out. And this lady came in. And she, she kneels to him, and she has the alabaster box of expensive perfume. They say that it was roughly about a year's salary. So think that in your own context, and that's a lot. She cried at his feet, and she didn't have a towel, so she began to dry it with her hair. Which, I'm like, if you have to dry something, that's, like, really wet. 
because you could just like let it air dry. But if she literally had to wipe it, she was crying a lot. There was a lot of sobbing happening there. Then talk about an act of honor that would make you feel uncomfortable. Someone sobbing at your feet and then drying it with their hair. Then she breaks open the, the jar of perfume and she pours it out. This was amazing. You guys, many of you know the story. It was an incredible act of honor. Yet the people nearby super spiritualized the scenario. They read it all wrong and they challenged it. They were like, this is over the top, guys. She shouldn't have done that. that and the, you know what the crazy thing is? Their comments actually seemed rational. They were like, she could have sold that and given money to the poor. You know, there's so many poor people and they're hungry. And in, I feel like in our context, we'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. She could have done that. Like how many of us also would have missed it because of the rationalization of good Christian people who just re, who read the situation wrong. That's not what that was about in that moment. It was about honor. God has unlimited resources. He didn't need her to sell that to give to the poor. He can provide for the poor. She needed to give an act of honor. Mark 14, 6, Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you troubling her? She's done a good and beautiful thing to me. This act of honor would be told to the entire world forever. I'm sure there was many times people gave to the poor. But this story will be told forever. Interesting. See, those who honor Jesus honor the Father. And as we honor each other, we honor Jesus, which means we honor the Father. The price paid for your life and mine was his. So to honor you, I honor him. Matthew 10, verse 40 says, whoever receives or honors you, honors me. And whoever receives or honors me, receives or honors the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he is God's messenger will share a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person because he follows me will also share in his reward. And whoever gives a cup of cold water to one of my disciples, I promise you, will not go unrewarded. There is a whole aspect of honor's reward. We are rewarded when we honor. There is a book, um, this book here, called Honor's Reward by John Bevere. If you have not read it, I highly recommend it. It is excellent. See, sometimes dishonor is obvious. Gossiping about someone, blatantly speaking out against a situation or, or a person, openly going against direction of a, a leader in your life or a mentor in your life. Sometimes dishonor is subtle. I think we're better at that. Sometimes, as to protect ourselves from being labeled as the problem person, we put on a cooperative mask and we say, oh, yeah, we're with you, we're with you. But we carry dishonor on the inside. It will still show, though, in time. It's just harder to identify. This is where we honor with our lips, but our hearts are far from it. One of the ways that shows the first, uh, I think some of the first ways that it will show in the church is we'll stop giving. We'll stop giving money to the kingdom. Um, another thing is you'll begin in your heart to challenge new things, new direction, or even requests made by a leader or, or you know, someone else in the community. I, it's really funny um, I've read this book a couple times, and this week I was just kind of reading through it again. And one of the examples that John uh, gives in his book, and I kid you not, this is, I, the, I have to say this because of the irony, and it's kind of funny to me. I hope you find it funny. You might not find it funny. It's amen or ouch, okay? It's one of those. So um, he, he gives an example about when the leadership of a church gives a call for something. And I kid you not, his example is the leadership gives a call for a week of prayer. 
He does. It was so funny. So I'm reading it. So as you know, we went through a week of prayer. Now, listen, there is no judgment here. If you had things going on and you had commitments, I get it. You were released. I, this is in no way am I trying to input this on you. I just had to give the story because it's funny. You can apply it in different ways. But he says the leadership gives a call for a week of prayer. And, you know, 10% show up. And he's like, it, when, when a leadership gives a call for something, it is dishonoring to not support that thing. And then he goes on to say, say your pastor, which this didn't happen, too bad. You guys are going to wish this happened. Says, okay, I'm going to do a week of prayer. And if you come every week, every, every day of the week, then at the end, I'm going to give you like $100,000. How many people will come? I mean, wh- I mean I'd be there, right? It's too bad we didn't do that. I mean, if we could, that'd be awesome. No. Um, everyone would come. But isn't it interesting that we will do for money what we won't do for love or honor? What about just showing up on time? These are practical elements of honor. What about, you know, there's a need in the church and you continually resist you know, I just don't want to help out in that area. What about leaving the service during a worship to have a conversation in the lobby because someone just really needs me right now? You know what, guys? I get it. Sometimes, like, there's crisis and things like that. But a crisis, it, I mean, unless it's, like, you know, life and death, it can wait. It can wait. It's dishonoring to what God's doing here to leave the service to go out there to have a conversation. It's dishonoring because what could happen if that person who was in the crisis just stayed in worship? It's dishonoring. It doesn't need to happen. It can wait. It can wait till after service. He can meet up for coffee later in the week. It, there's so many ways that we can still accommodate and love one another without dishonoring other things that are happening. These are just practical things. When we honor and place value on things that God is doing and things that are happening from leadership down, we will see uh, change in our lives. We will see growth and maturity in our church. Psalms 92 verse 13 says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And when we plant in our church and when we come along and we support and we encourage and we participate in what's happening, we will flourish in life. It doesn't say those who attend, those who show up, because there's a difference between just showing up and integrating in. Planting means I lay down my life to serve God and serve our church and serve our community and serve our city. Planting means I'm honoring and giving my best and showing preference to others. I give, I serve, I, I, I support without thinking of ways that I maybe could have done it a little bit better. Honor has its reward. Honor doesn't save you. We are saved by faith and faith alone, right? That is it. Salvation is a free gift, the Bible says, so that none can boast. However, heaven is not the same for everyone. And this is a whole other message on rewards. And and when we stand before that judgment seat of Christ and when we stand in heaven, there are rewards that are given in heaven. It is not salvation. Once you're there, you're good. (laughs) You're going to slide on through. Don't worry. But there are rewards given in that moment. We will not all spend eternity the same. And the rewards are given based on what we've done on earth and what we've done with our time and our talents and the treasure that God's deposited and how we've honored because honor has its reward. Honor is a big part of that. Honor definitely doesn't determine if you'll get to heaven, but it may determine how you'll spend some of it. This is the way. Honor is the way. A focus on Jesus is the way. I'm going to ask Lacey to come up, and she's going to 
sing over us and play for a little bit. We're going to have a little bit of a response time. And I know I've gone a little long, but I think it's important just to focus in for even a few moments to align ourselves with Jesus. How do we honor, support? I'm with you. I'm for you. I'll serve you. One another. Sacrifice. Maybe there's been some money that you were going to spend on yourself, and you're like, you know what? There's someone else in the church that I'm just looking at, and I'm, God's just like highlighting them to me. I think I'm going to take that $20 that I was going to spend, and I'm just going to like bless them in a way. Time, offering prayer to someone, active service, and expecting nothing in return. Effort. This could, this could be by just taking a moment to correct your heart towards someone that maybe you've been dishonoring, but they didn't even know, but like you just kind of felt like you didn't like them very much, and you just want to take some effort to make that adjustment. Encouragement. Making the change from talking about people's shortcomings and how they've, you know, they're just not very good at that, or they're like, oh, look what they're doing again, to seeing the best in them and seeing the gold in them. And praising their efforts for what they're doing. I see you trying. These are heavy values today. To focus on Jesus. To challenge ourselves towards having our affection towards him. And a culture of honor really adjusting from the inside out. So that we can be better. And we can do more. As a family. As a church. So what I want to do just for a few minutes, I just want to take time practically. And I know you can do this at home, but how cool would it be if we just take a a few moments as a community and do it together? And just, it's like together but alone. So I, I want to, I want you just to take a spot in the room. You can stay where you are. You could come up here or move around, sit on the floor. It doesn't matter. And just close yourself in with the Lord. Begin to ask him, what can I do to develop more of a hunger for you? Maybe just begin to ask for that hunger. Father, would you deposit in me a hunger and a desire to know you more? To love you better and to serve you better. Begin to ask him. Where in my heart have I been dishonoring and how can I make that adjustment? Who can I honor today? And what can I do to honor them? So as Lacey sings over us, just let's just take a few minutes before we transition out this morning. in stories of what they think you're like but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. I've seen many searching for answers far and wide but i know we're all searching for answers only you provide because you know just what we need before we say a word you're a good it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. 
Father, I thank you for my church family here. I thank you for those who may be uh, visiting this morning and just kind of came in in the middle of this, and I just bless them, and I bless everyone here today. I thank you that we are a, a strong and healthy community of Jesus lovers who desire to be better and grow more and go and be called higher. I thank you that I could get up here confidently and deliver a message like this knowing that these people have what it takes to take the challenge and be inspired to be better because it's already in their hearts. It's already in them. They're already doing it. So I bless them for their efforts, for their convictions, and for their passion for you and for people. I pray that you would raise us up to be stronger and healthier than ever before. That we could make a difference in the earth for you. That we could make an impact. Jesus, we love you, and all this is for you. In your name, amen. 